All right, so good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Keith Sparrow. I'm the uh, remaining intern here at Redeemer, as Brian left us a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'm blessed to finish up our sermon series, Integrating Faith and Life. And what we're dealing with today in integrating, integrating Faith and Life is avocation. Brian dealt with vocation, so now we're dealing with avocation, which is hobbies, leisure, rest. What do we do with these things? Well, depends who you ask. I talked to a number of people this week about this subject. And some people are like, you know, I have all the time in the world to do things. Man, I get home at night, I can sit down, read a book, play a game, spend time with my spouse. Or people who say, hey, I'm single, I, I have four hours in the afternoon, I just can do whatever I want. And I talk to other people who are married and they go, well, my time is more limited, but I still have time to relax and have rest and hobbies and leisure. We watch movies together. We do videos. We go on walks. And I talk to others who say, well, I'm a, I'm a parent with a little one, and I don't know what hobbies and leisure are anymore. And that's true. This is true comments from people in our church. So when we think about our lives, when we're thinking about hobbies and leisure, we think about our days, how quickly our days go by. You know, there's 24 hours, 1,440 minutes in our day. Think about all that happens during that time. I mean, sleep, eating, family time, work, cooking, education, church responsibilities, parenting, disciple, discipline, discipleship, family worship. And that's just touching on a few of the many activities that happen in our day-to-day -day life. Now, we know from Scripture, that what we do with our time, what we do with our life matters. We've had seven previous sermons dealing with different areas in our life and how our faith interacts with that. We've talked about marriage, complementarianism. We've talked about work. We've talked about communication. Again and again, we see that the Bible has something to say about these areas in our life. Well, now we're coming to this point where we're talking about hobbies and leisure, what we do in the time that's ours. And we find that the Bible says something about that as well. Today we're going to examine how the Bible impacts our leisure time, what our faith says, and what the Bible says about our leisure time. Now, when I was in college, I had a lot of leisure time. I didn't work unless I was in the summer. So during the school year, I did my homework and played video games, watched DVDs, went on walks, you name it, we did it have little uh, laser gun wars, um, paintball games, lots of leisure. And when I was in college at first, I came to Christ in college. So I never thought about what we do with our leisure time. It was just, whatever, it's my time. I read the Bible today. I, I went to church. I hung out with my believer friends. Now it's my time. I'm going to chill out and watch videos and play video games. I didn't think about it. As I, as I grew up, as I was discipled by others, I started to realize, wait a minute, what I do in my life outside of my Christian time, because I was compartmentalizing my life a lot, matters. And I started to think, okay, well, I have all these DVDs, and I'm spending so much time watching DVDs. So as a, you know, hard-charging, want-to-live-for-Christ college student, I just threw out all the DVDs. I cut them so I wouldn't take them out of the garbage can. So I'm sitting here cutting the DVDs, throwing them away, I got rid of some video games as well because I'm like, you know, my life needs to be for Christ. And if I'm not just reading the Bible and Christian things, then I'm not living for Christ. Well, about a month later, I start rebuilding my DVD collection. I'm like, well, you know, God, you, know, God doesn't, you know, God does care. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. He's okay with me. I'll just stay away from rated R movies. So I rebuild my DVD collection, and I got 30 or 40 of them. I rebuild my video game collection, and I have a dozen of them. And guess what happens again? I hear a sermon or I read a part of the Bible and I go back and I start cutting the things up again, throwing them away. And this happens two or three times in my college experience. And this cycle continues. And, I, and I've talked to other people. say, I came to Christ. I threw out all my old music. Didn't even look, just threw it out because I knew so much of it was vulgar. I came to Christ and I threw out all of this or I... I became a Christian and I tossed all of this. And a lot of that, a lot of that, including some DVDs I, I broke, is good to get rid of. They weren't honoring to God. 
they need to be getting rid of and out of our lives. I'm not talking about that. When I'm talking about hobbies and leisure today, I'm not primarily talking about sinful activities we're doing, but things that on their own are not sinful. But what we find, my battle, my battle with DVDs and games in college illustrates these three different Christian views we can often have. The first view is that our, our leisure time, our, our time for hobbies and recreation is our own. Do with it what we will, so long as we're not obviously sinning. The other view is, or the second view is, all things must be done for the glory of God, and, and I don't have time for this, these, these games and these hobbies. I need to be on fire for Jesus. And I think the third view, and really the default view for a lot of us, is I've never thought about it. I've never really thought about does my time in TV, does my time in games, my time out shooting guns or, or collecting flowers, whatever the hobbies and leisure are, does that matter to God? Well, today, I think all three of these views, that it doesn't matter to God, that we only do things that are set on fire for God, and, and that our leisure times are as our own, all, those, all three of those views are all intrinsically wrong. They all are, 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 are errant. So today we're going to look at how we need to think and strive with our leisure time to, to, to deal with our hearts well in it, to see how God has designed this to be used and to reflect on how we can strive to honor him in it. I think What we're going to find today is that our leisure activities both speak into our lives and they reveal our hearts. So we must strive to remember Christ in our time of leisure. Our leisure activities both speak into our lives and reveal our hearts. So we must strive to remember Christ in our leisure. This is a two-point sermon today. We are going to be looking first at a biblical theology of leisure. We're going to look through the scripture and what it has to say about leisure. And then we're going to look at how we can apply the Bible to our leisure. I come to you in this subject not having mastered it, but coming as a fellow student who wants to grow in Christ-likeness in this area. And I want us to walk together through this, to think about this together as a church so the first subject we're going to look at is a biblical theology of leisure. Now, we're going to begin in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, if you're using the Pew Bible, is fortunately on page 1. So if you need to get to the Pew Bible, it's page 1 for Genesis 1. Um, I'm going to read Genesis 1 for us. We're going to look at creation, fall, redemption, and then kind of just examine those and what they have to say about leisure, about rest, about hobbies. So Genesis 1, I'm going to be reading the whole chapter. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hover, hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse, expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together, and he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let there be the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed according to its, to its kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness 
and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the water, the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth livestock creatures according to their kinds, livestock, living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And it was evening and the morning the seventh and the morning the sixth day. So in Genesis 1, we learn a lot about the world we live in. When we think about hobbies and leisure, and we interact with these, the three views I said earlier. Some people don't think that leisure time matters. Some people think everything has to be done that's only Christian. Study the Bible, proclaim the gospel, nothing else. And some people believe that, uh, have never thought about it. Well, the first thing we see in Genesis 1 is everything's created good. God created the world good. This is incredibly important because we live in a world and we interact with people who believe that the material world is evil. And it so easily can creep into our minds, well, the body is evil, but the soul is good. It's, it's a Greek thought. It's Plato and other Greek philosophers argued that, but I learned it in religious studies class at uh, U of I, in philosophy class at U of I. And that's not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that God created the world good, to be enjoyed. He gave uh, every fruit from a tree and every seed-bearing plant to the creatures and Adam and Eve for their good, for their nourishment. It was a garden given full of different fruits that were to be enjoyed. Not only did he give them this food, he gave Adam and Eve each other, spouse to be in, to be in relationship with and enjoy. They were given work to take care of the garden. So when we think about the complexities of the world we live in, think of the National Geographic. If you, ever, if you ever look at their website or read the magazine, all the different pictures of the world around us. So many different computer backgrounds are, if you have Windows 10, it'll automatically give you different pictures of different places on this earth, the beauty and the majesty of the world that God has created that we marvel at. He created this for us, the diversity of, of, of the landscapes, the diversity of the species. It's amazing. So we see that the, the world is good. We see that God created a diverse world for us to enjoy in many ways. We see that he gave us relationships to enjoy. But he also made man in God's image. He created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Well, what does that mean? When regarding leisure, it means that humans have a creative instinct. We have a, a, we don't create like God out of nothing, but we create. What does this mean? We create books. We create games. We create stories. We, we create foods. We are, we are a creative creature. We are a creative being that reflects the image of God in that. And those leisure activities we do are, that we have available to us this, these days 
are an overflow of that creative ability that God has given us. So what I want to point out in Genesis 1 is that the world was originally created good, that it was created for us to to enjoy, to marvel at, that it would point us to God that we would worship Him. And that we, as people made in God's image, create things that we each other enjoy. We can read a book and we can fall into a world of stories. I think of of so often we refer to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and these books that we just get immersed in and we enjoy. And it's, it's amazing what God has done in us that we create these small worlds where, that are so finite compared to the glory of what God's given in creation. So God created everything good. He created us to enjoy it. He created so much. What went wrong? Because, like, we're doing a biblical flyby, we're doing a biblical theology of leisure, it was created good. We were created to walk with him and enjoy relationships with one another. What went wrong? Well, we need to look at Genesis 3 to answer that. That's page 2 of your Bibles in the pew. Genesis, Genesis 3 gives us the answer to what happened. I'm just going to read the chapter. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it, was a delight, that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was, was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig tree leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I have heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree that I com- of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall, be, shall bring forth for you, shall it bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread until you return to the ground. From out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife Eve uh, garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and placed the cherub and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So what happened? In Genesis 3, we have the fall, what's referred to as the fall. We have Adam and Eve choosing to rebel against God's command at the provocation of the serpents to eat the one fruit in the entire garden they were told not to eat. We see God's curse placed upon the serpent. We see God's curse placed upon man and woman. We see them driven from this place of beauty 
and, and, and glory and, and, and abundance in the garden and driven to, to uh, farm the land to make their bread. But what does this have to do with leisure? What does this have to do with hobbies and leisure, Keith? Well, primarily, we see Adam and Eve choosing to believe a lie and pursue an idol rather than trust God. We see them choose to pursue an idol of the knowledge of good and evil. If I just do this, I will have the knowledge to be like God. And when they do that, they become, they chose to pursue something other than God, and they became idolaters. They chose to seek something that wasn't given to them, that they could have what they felt that they could become like God. How does this impact our leisure? So often in our lives, our hobbies, our leisure activities, they become idols. They become our gods. Leisure activities are powerfully impacted by this because it can become an idol we don't want to give up. But also, leisure activities, as I said earlier, are a product of people. We create things. We create games. We create books. But now that we've, we've been corrupted by rebellion against God, what we've created is not always worth giving ourselves to. There are some things that we should not give ourselves to. Some hobbies, some, some movies, some TV series that we should just be able to say, no. Now, this is different for different people, what your, your conscience, your soul can, can, can handle. Obviously, once again, our hobbies and leisure we're talking about here are not sinful. If something's sinful, we need to say no as Christians. But apart from that, there's a lot of gray room where we look and we have to assess and say, am I mature enough for this? Am I able to think about this well? Because leisure activities are not neutral. They're, cor they're corrupted by the sin in the lives of the creators and they impact our hearts. So because of the fall, Leisure can so often become an idol, and these idols are not neutral. These leisure activities are not neutral. They impact us greatly. Think for a minute with me about the typical, stereo, let me say, stereotypical college guy life. Okay? You go to class, get your homework done, maybe, and then you go back to your dorm and you play, if you're around me, video games. Video games were the thing to do. And you would spend hours playing video games, sometimes with other people, sometimes on your own. I had friends in college who would go to college, do their homework, and still spend 40 hours a week in the World of Warcraft game. I had other friends who would spend hours on end tied to their computers and other, and other uh, pursuits of, of leisure games, movies, but what they didn't realize, and looking back upon it now, myself and them, they didn't realize the impact that had on their souls. How it drained them of energy, it drained them of a heart for God. And so often it wasn't until they chose to play their game on Sunday morning and play all the way through the weekend and skip church and be confronted by it, they realized they had a problem. So because we are so easily idolaters, our leisure matters so much. So what hope do we have? With a biblical theology of leisure, God created these things good for our enjoyment. In our rebellion, we turned against him. We made the creation our gods rather than the creator. What hope do we have? Well, the rest of the Bible from, from Genesis 3 on up to Matthew is the story of the king of God bringing together a people for himself through, through Adam and Eve's descendants, through Noah and the flood, through Abraham and his children, uh, um, Abraham and uh, Jacob, Jacob's children, the people of Israel, the uh, being brought into Egypt, the Egyptian captivity. God's delivering them out in the Exodus, bringing them out to Mount Sinai to establish his covenant with them. 
God makes the people of Israel a people that he calls to himself, gives the land of Israel, brings, to get, brings forth a, uh, a kingdom. The people demand a king. He brings forth King Saul and then King David, a king after his own heart. But he promises throughout the rest of the Old Testament this, this theme of, the, of a, a slowly developing theme of a, of a Messiah, of a deliverer. At first, the Israelites see it as a, 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 na, na, a national deliverer who will deliver them from oppression. But as we go further into the prophets, we get this picture of one who will pay the penalty for sin in Isaiah. And the, the nation of Israel continues together. It splits after Solomon. It, it gets deported to Assyria and Babylon. There's the, the Babylon, Babylonian exile. After 70 years, they come back to Israel. The nation is reestablished. There's this expectation of something about to happen. God has restored his people. He's brought us back together. What's going to happen? Silence. 400 years of silence. And then we have Matthew 1. God becoming man and dwelling amongst us in Jesus Christ. Jesus being God's answer for the problem of man's rebellion against God. The extreme nature of sin that we chose, that Adam and Eve chose, and we choose to worship and love creation rather than the creator, that instead of worshiping and loving a holy and perfect God that we chose as humans to worship something infinitely less, we sinned against God, and that sin is, is, it was horrible. It was horrific. Adam and Eve's sin changed the world. It changed relationships. It changed their entire lives. It led to death. And our sins are just as horrific, and it requires, a sin against an infinitely holy and perfect God requires an infinitely holy and perfect sacrifice to pay the price. And when Jesus came and he lived the life we couldn't live, he died the death we deserved, took our penalty on the cross for our sins. And, through, and, and by his death and resurrection, we are made right with God. What does this mean? This means that the sin that we are all guilty of, that sin that started in Adam and Eve, that sin that is so apparent in our own hearts that we rebel against God. Just think about our hobbies and leisure. Think about our, our, what, what we're passionate about. Think about the things that, that can so easily consume our lives. What, what, is, it, what is it in your life that, that is more important than God? Some things are good. You know, loving our family is good. Loving our church is good. Loving our, 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 our nation and our city and loving the poor are good things. But can they become more important than loving God? Then they're idols. Then we're, loving, we're putting something in the place of God that doesn't belong. And we're all guilty of this. We've all done this throughout our lives. We do this as soon as we come to our parents as a young child. And our parents say, we love you and we care for you. And we want you to eat this, so you, this vegetable. Claudia will appreciate this as much as I don't like vegetables. We want you to eat this vegetable so you'll grow up healthy and strong. And, you know, one of the first learns, words we learn as a kid, no, I'm not eating that, no. As a child, I remember staring down my dad at the dinner table for hours, not wanting to eat the veggies. You know, a three or four-year-old, I can, some of my first memories is my dad reading the newspaper dropping it, looking at me, and me going, no. Rebellion. I mean, yes, it, is it cute and a funny story? Sure, but it's rebellion against the authorities God put in our lives for our good. We are naturally sinners. We naturally choose not to obey. As I said, that sin in our lives demands a response from God, whether that be his wrath or his grace in Jesus Christ. We all deserve punishment for our sin, but by, having, by placing our faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross, by 
repenting of our sins and turning toward Christ, we can be changed from enemies of God to His children. Now, for those of us who are Christians, our lives are now different because of who we are in Christ. We're now able to walk with God in faith and strive to honor Him with all of our time, with all of our lives. We struggle as a, as a nation, as a people. As Americans, we have this concept of compartmentalization that should have nothing to do with the gospel. Compartmentalization means that this is my work time, this is my personal time, this is my church time, this is my gospel time, and none of them overlap. They're completely separated. Well, that's not true for Christians because all of our time is God's time. Why do I say this? Because the Bible teaches it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 teaches, and he's speaking of primarily at first about sexual morality, but the principle is the same. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. That's not glorify God with your body when you're doing church stuff. It's all the time. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as, wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So as Christians, as those who've trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life, what we do with our time matters. What we do with our leisure time matters. What the Bible doesn't do is give us a list of do this, don't do that. This is good, that's not. Instead, it gives us principles. So what we're going to look at next are questions we can ask that are based upon biblical principles. We're going to apply the Bible to our leisure to think through these things, examine our own hearts, and maybe answer some of these questions regarding our own hobbies and leisure. So our second point is applying the Bible to our, to our leisure. Now, once again, I don't come to you this morning having this all figured out. I don't have a perfect understanding of how this works in my life, not to mention yours. What I do have are a number of Scripture-based questions that we each need to reflect on, to think about and examine our own hearts before God when we think about things that occupy our leisure time. And when we come to ask these questions, come to them with a willingness that we have to be willing to make changes in our lives if we want to strive to grow with Christ. So what I'm going to do with these questions, and I have about, I have approximately eight, I'm going to read the question, I'm going to read the scriptures that question is based upon, I'm going to read the question one more time and just kind of give a bit of exposition to how that applies in our lives. So the first question is, am I neglecting my responsibilities to pursue this activity? The first text is 1 Timothy 5.8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So the question, and a sub-question is, am I neglecting my responsibilities to pursue this activity? When we come to leisure, when we come to hobbies, as Christians, we can walk in faith with God. We can enjoy things rightly because we can, we can deal with our hearts and make sure they're not idols. We can strive to recognize that. But am I using this act, uh, am I neglecting my responsibilities? If, a, if anything in our lives becomes such an overpowering reality that it keeps us from our family and our responsibilities, we need to stop it. Am I neglecting my, 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 my family? I read of a man who has spent the last 2,000 days at Disney World. Every night he goes to Disney World. He's done this for 2,000 days now. It was on the news. You know? Am I neglecting other responsibilities in my family? 
Am I using leisure to escape my situation? This is a big one if, you're, if you enjoy books or, or video games or anything, that, TV shows, music. Am I using this leisure to escape my situation? Am I, am I pursuing this so I don't have to deal with my doldrum life because I'd rather be a, a, a superhero like uh, Superman, super strength, and... Uh, don't, would I rather be a Superman and get so involved in the stories and fiction that I'm, the, that I'm just not dealing with the world around me? This is real. There's so many people I talk to. Well, I get done with work, and I go home, and I plug in to World of Warcraft because that world's more exciting than the world, what I'm in. Or I'm having conflict with my children or my spouse, and rather than deal with that, I'd rather go play a video game or read a book or, you know, I'd rather exercise. You know, some leisure or hobbies can be good things, or most of them are. But I can exercise because it's for my health and neglect my family, neglect my children, neglect dealing with my spouse. So we want to think deeply about, am I neglecting my responsibilities or am I using this leisure to escape my situation? If we are, we may need to put it to our side, put it aside for a time and invest in what's really important. The second question is, what am I filling my mind and heart with? Is it personally beneficial and does it commend what is good and reject what is evil? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we, with, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And Romans 1, 18 through 25 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they know God, they did not honor God, not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So what am I filling my heart and my mind with? This is an important question with leisure, hobbies, you know, movies, uh, music, whatever it would be. Or, you know, sometimes with, 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 I love to bake, and sometimes I eat too much of what I bake. You know, any hobby, any activity we pursue, we can pursue wrongly. But what am I filling my heart and my mind with? Or my belly with it? Am I filling my heart and my mind with something that is beneficial? Does it educate me? Does it encourage me? Does it energize me? Am I, am I filling my heart and mind with things that commend what is good and reject what is evil? And we have a whole series of TV shows out there these days that for me, I cannot watch in good conscience. They commend what is evil. It's about Adult, there's a TV shows about adultery. There's TV shows about murder. TV shows about all kinds of, of, of vile things that I, I cannot in good conscience watch. And that's because I am very sensitive to, to dark TV shows and movies. And I will walk out of a movie theater and go, I need to take a shower. And it, it's, just, it just, it's just so morally dark. Um, I'm not, and once again, I'm not naming names, I'm not selecting movies because this is a conscience issue, but we want to have wisdom. Is this benefiting me to pursue this hobby? Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I, am I being able to love others better? Am I able to interact with others better? And does it help me, you know, commend what is good and think about things well? The next question how does my hobby impact my walk with God? Does it lead me toward God or away? 
and we become what we behold. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Deuteronomy 8.11-14. Deuteronomy 8.11-14 says, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His stat- rules and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And once again, 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'll read it again. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Does my hobby, does my leisure activity impact my walk with God? We have to be honest about this, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, some of us have a lot more time for leisure than others. Um, But what leisure activities we do, how do those impact our walk with God? I know that if if I go personally and go see a a, a movie that's dark, um, it will it will just make me depressed and, 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 and morbid and like it just takes me a day or two to get out of this just depressive, morbid, just unclean feeling to walk with God. Like that's not helping me walk with God, that's pushing me away. In the same way, in a very easy way, if, I'm, if I've given 200 hours to a game, that could be a huge problem. If it's been over two months, that's a problem. A hundred hours a, a, a month? That, I'm giving too much of my life to that. It's, it's consuming me. It, at the same time, if I give 200 hours over two years, that's not a big deal. You know, there is this, how am I doing this? How am I pursuing this? How is my hobby impacting my walk with God? Um, but... As the Israelites were reminded to take heed lest they walk away from God and they forget him, are our hobbies, are our leisure activities encouraging us to walk with him or not? Chet has said this many, many times, we become what we behold. So what are we setting our hearts and our minds on? Are we setting our hearts and minds on on things that point us to Christ and encourage us to think? Are we setting our hearts and minds on Stories of hope and of joy and of salvation, of redemption? Are we listening to music that encourages us? Are we, are we pursuing other hobbies that are encouraging to us? Are we pursuing things that are, that are, that are, that are not honoring God, that are pushing, that are, if we're becoming what we behold, what are we becoming? What are we beholding? The next question I've already read the text. I won't read the whole text again. But is this an idol? This is Romans 1, 18 through 25. And uh, for all of the new God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. A good question of whether a leisure activity or a hobby has become an idol is, can I give it up? And that, that's not just, can I throw out my Xbox because, you know, or cut up my DVDs, because I, if I can cut them up, I know it's not a, an idol. That's not what I'm saying here. Um, although that may be the case. For some of us, we need to do that. But more of the long lines of, if I get a call from a brother or sister in Christ or a family member or someone who's in danger Am I willing to put the thing down, shut it off, and engage people? Am I willing to set the book down, put my bookmark in, or am I, or, or am I like, well, I need to finish this, this TV show, I need to finish this book? Well, it's the, it's the bottom of the seventh, and it's the Cubs cards, and the Cubs are down by two. I, I, this is important. I need to see this. And can I just talk to you about your, your struggles afterwards? If we're not willing to give something up to love God and love others well, then, it's going to, then most likely it's an idol in our lives. And we need to assess that. 
Like, that needs to be big red lights in our lives. When, when we say, when our spouse says, honey, I need your help with something, we say, well, honey, I can't save right now if I'm playing a game, or well, honey, I need to finish this chapter, or well, honey, I need to, I'm in the middle of this board game with the guys, and it'll be three more hours before I can help you, then our hearts aren't in the right place. If, if we're so tied up in watching the sports game that our child comes up and says, Daddy, Daddy, look what I did, and we say, I can't miss this, then we have a problem then that may be an idol and we may need to give it up. We have all seen that, whether we've done this, we've seen this in our lives. We've seen people, whether that's our family members or friends or coworkers or ourselves, if we're honest, who have at times said, what I'm doing for leisure is more important than anything else in my life right now. So instead of idols, we want to ask, let's look at a more, because now as we've examined our heart, let's look at a more positive question. How can I do this for the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So how can this hobby, how can this leisure activity be done for the glory of God? Well, there's, there's a thousand ways. It depends on the activity. How can my book reading be done to the glory of God? Well, am I reading it with somebody else and discussing it? Am I looking for themes I can bring out that are encouraging to others? Um, am I learning something from my reading that enables me to engage people of different cultures or ethnicities? Um, am, I, am I playing board games at the, the Armor Gopher at one of the game shops in town predominantly for building relationships and sharing the gospel? Am I playing, uh, am I listening to music with my friends and thinking through what it says and talking about it? You know, are we pursuing our, our hobbies and our leisure activities with an, attitude, with an attitude of how can I glorify God in this? Because if we are pursuing with this kind of heart, we're going to treat our hobbies and leisure differently. And yes, that means we may still watch games. We may still watch that Cubs cards game. We may still play video games. But our attitudes are going to be different toward them. Our attitudes are going to be different toward interruptions. Our attitudes are going to be different toward how we're taking this in. Because all of our hobbies, our leisure, they're not passive. These are not neutral things. They're either going to build us up or they're going to tear us down. We have to have discernment and wisdom that we examine ourselves, our hearts, and the situations rightly. And the last question is, how is my hobby of faith? Romans 14.23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And Ephesians 5.15-16 says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, of the time, because the days are evil. Is my... This question is asked. The text says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It says to walk with wisdom in how we walk. So, how is my hobby of faith? How am I choosing, how am I striving to walk with God in faith in doing this? All these questions aren't meant to be figured out in 10 seconds, like, oh, here's the answer. All the questions I've asked thus far and throughout this time are to, for us to engage our hearts and think through them. Think about how is this pursuit of watching, you know, Netflix with my wife? How is this of faith? How am I encouraging and loving my wife while in this? How am I pointing us both to Christ in this? Or am I not? Is this just so we have time together where we don't talk? Or because we really just like the show and yay, Like I said, these questions are to begin an examination, for each of us to begin an examination in our hearts regarding our leisure and hobbies, our time that we have to ourselves. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but are intended to begin a process of evaluation that we continue. We continue this process of evaluation of our own hearts together as a church, 
as community groups, as life transformation groups, as families. We, are, we, are, we gather together as a Redeemer church, as a body of Christians who come together, covenanted together for one another's good. One of the ways we do that is by asking questions of each other. How are these hobbies that we're pursuing, you know, that we're pursuing, honoring to God and good for our souls? You know, we will find that we will talk about things we're excited about, whether that's in our homes, at our workplaces, or at church. And we need to be able to ask each other those questions, to, to love one another enough to ask questions appropriately and wisely, but also to be vulnerable enough to answer those questions. So, once again, I just want to encourage you all, let's think deeply upon our leisure. Let's think deeply upon how we spend our time, our, our time what's not invested in work and family and children and parenting and and all the many things, but our leisure time, our time of, of rest, our time of hobbies and, and leisure. Let's think deeply upon those times in our lives and think about how we're, what, what are we doing? What's the attitude behind it? You know, we can honor God watching baseball, whether that's the Cubs or the Cards. And we can honor God playing a video game, or we can honor God reading a book. And very, we can do these things because God, is, God cares about our hearts. God knows our hearts, and he, he, he sees our hearts, and he knows our motivations. I can say whatever I want to you, but God knows my motivation in my heart and my hobbies. I, I want my hobbies to honor God, so I want you guys to ask me these questions. And I hope that as we engage one another with, with our time, with how we use it, with how we are expending our lives, what we're, what we're bringing into our lives and what's coming out of our lives. It's my prayer that our hobbies would both speak in, that as, as our hobbies speak into our lives and reveal our hearts, we would strive to reflect Christ in our leisure. So let us pray.